Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. Only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street here with the final episode of the Draft Act NBA Draft Pod for this draft season. Damn. Today's the day. It is officially NBA Draft Day, and we oh had my. to hit you. We had to hit you with one final pod today we are going to hit on the blue chips and the penny stocks we're going to talk some top five guys maybe some sleepers uh my name is Corey Tulliba I'm here as always with my co-host Albert Gim and Albert we have a special guest he is the number one Knicks fan in the world the host of the through the wire podcast (laughs) on house of highlights we got peewee the plug aka Mr. Know-it-all Pierre Anderson what is going on, bro? I am extremely happy to be here because <laughs> I know a lot of people probably tell y'all that, but Corey knows. I, I really watch all y'all shit. I watch Corey shit when, he, when he's by himself. I watch the – what's the name of the fucking um, – is it the – it's like a play on the NASDAQ. What is the – Yeah, uh, the, the draft deck. The draft yeah. deck. That, <laughs> is, that was genius. That, that is genius. <laughs> I love that type of shit. So, um, yeah, I'm tuned in. I just watched y'all recently talk about somebody, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. Keon Johnson. Corey, when you interviewed us for Through the Wire, Mag, before we left, I asked you your Mm -hmm. thoughts on Keon Johnson because I'm like, people are having him super high on their mocks, and no disrespect to the kid, but I just didn't see it. So when Mm -hmm. I saw you guys talk about it, I was like, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what's funny? Like, we, I mean, that was – that was a few months ago. Yeah, that that. that's that's the uh, that's the lost tapes. That's the lost through the wire interview. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I might post it uh, on my YouTube eventually. Um, now that the magazine's been out for a little bit, but uh, yeah, we were we were having a conversation like you know it, these guys that are like six four, six five, like good defenders with a questionable jumper. It's like those guys are fun to root for, and they got high upside. But like, how many of those type of players really realize it, especially when they're so raw? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been on that Keon Johnson kind of sliding down the draft train for a while. Yeah, but but we'll see. All it takes is one team to fall in love with a kid, and uh, and he could still be going lotto. So uh, can't always trust the mocks. Can't trust our mocks. Can't trust ESPN's mocks. Yeah, all it takes is one team, right? Um, all right. I'm I'm excited to do this. Pierre is uh, one of the realest dudes on the internet. He really is a supportive guy, and uh, I, I appreciate that. So let's get started. Um, we're going to hit the, uh, the blue chips first. So these are our top five guys, maybe top six, maybe top seven. Who knows? It depends. Uh, everybody's got different blue chippers. These are the guys that have the high upside, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a low floor. These are the guys you can put your investments into and not necessarily worry about busting out. Let's start with the probable number one pick Cade Cunningham P 
Is Cade a no-brainer, or are there actually legit concerns for taking him over Green or Mobley? To me, he's the no-brainer, number one. Um, it, he gets me excited just because it's very rare um, for a guy to come in and not have that many holes. And I think, you know, sometimes guys like us, <clears throat> not us directly, but just guys that do what we do, we may try to overanalyze it and just because it's just like, man, how, you know, how how crazy is it that a guy can come into the league with like limited holes or no holes at all? And we're not used to that. So we try to overlook or overanalyze. And I feel like a lot of guys are doing that. But Cade, he he answered a lot of questions in that one season. I, I He says it was so much said about him, um, you know, indirectly with like. I'm a type of guy where I look into things like I look into a lot of things. So first and foremost, for you to be going to Oklahoma State was a big thing for me because that was like a writing on a wall where so many guys are going to Duke, Kentucky, they're teaming up. Um, and I'm a college basketball guy. Mm-hmm. But before he played for Oklahoma State, I, I couldn't name you one player on their roster. <laughs> yeah. And for him to go there, have the season he had, the way he scored the ball, uh, with limited spacing and weapons around him, and he showed that he could be like a go-to guy in a tough conference when he played against you know other NBA caliber talent like ba- the Baylor's of the world. Yep. And uh, to be a clutch scorer, one of the top clutch scorers, forty uh, percent from three. You know he was posting up on a low block, pick and roll, off the dribble, off the catch. I mean, no brainer for me. No brainer for me. Um, and it's no dis- no discredit to Evan Mobley or Jalen Green. But I just think that when you get a guy like Kay Cunningham, you don't second guess it, man. You don't second guess. I can barely come up with a comparison for the guy because he's so unique. You know what I mean? Like I saw you guys talk about him and I heard Jason Tatum and I'm like, okay, I love that one. I see the Jason Tatum too. But then it's like he also is this gifted playmaker that we all know he is. And that's not Jason Tatum's game. But then it's like the Grand Hill I hear. Um, like my guy Rashad Phillips uses the Grand Hill, but Grand Hill has never shot the ball how it looks like Kate will shoot it, you know. So it's like when you get a guy like that, man, I don't think you, I don't think you second guess it. He's number one to me. He's special, man. And shout out to yeah. Yoda. Uh, yeah, like the big question coming in was the jumper. You know, everybody was like, "Is the jumper going to translate?" And then it did, and it's like, all right, so we shouldn't even have to overthink this. Like, th- this is the guy. He's been the guy. For a minute. Um, and like you said, that team at Oklahoma State was incredibly mediocre, mm-hmm. you know, and the only other guy I was like really, really familiar with. And I can't say his name. Was it uh, like Licky or like he played on uh, the, the U19 team with mm-hmm. Cade and uh, Halliburton and Suggs and Mobley and all them. Um and I don't really like his game. Like I don't think he's an NBA prospect. You know, to if anything, I thought he he shot a little bit too much. Like I just want like get the ball right. back to Cade. Yeah. But what do you make about his playmaking? Because I have no concerns, right? And there's so much out there for people that are trying to make. I feel like they're trying to force an argument that Cade right. may not be the number one guy. And they're using the uh, the high turnover rate, the the three and a half assists, four turnovers. What do you make of that? Like, do you think he's a better playmaker than he he got the chance to show in college? For sure, um, I can damn near guarantee that one. Turn the turnover thing for me. People can call me crazy, but when they're when it's this early, I I really don't care unless it's like yep. five or seven. You know what I mean? If then it's just like okay, but we saw Lamelo, Lamelo. 
You oh, know, yeah. before the NBA, oh, yeah. was one of the most careless people that I have ever saw with a basketball. Right. It just seemed like whenever LaMelo was in a confined restriction, he played to a level, you know. But when you gave him a ball and he, you know, could just do whatever, he was turnover heavy. But I don't I don't think guys are going to be like that when they come into the NBA. I don't know if people don't understand, uh, but, like, the NBA is the NBA. You're not going to come in and just throw the ball off the wall and, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. But – I think you got one of the best videos showing it when he was on the floor. Oh yeah. That's wild. Um, the left hand pass out of the pick and roll. I, like those plays for me are, are what's telling the statistical things are neither here nor there in college basketball. You know, um, I don't even, I think college basketball can sometimes limit guys. Some, some guys are better at things at the pro level than the NBA yeah. Because it's just it's just the way that the game is. Like Michael Porter Jr., for example, I don't feel like at Missouri, partly due to injury, but even when he right. did play, he was never going to really play his best basketball there because college wouldn't let a guy like him do what he has to do. So mm-hmm. um, I think I think Cade could really playmake. And the best thing about him is, hypothetically speaking, the playmaking isn't there. Whoop did he do? You just make it. Yeah. Like he'll be right. a dunk option. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, yeah, I, I feel you, Albert. You would you refer to like you thought that there was a little bit of genius to the turnovers? Um, did I say that? Dude, yeah, because you were like, I, I think your point was that Cade was making plays that maybe the guys on his team didn't necessarily uh, necessarily see. Right, that's so right. There was a little. He was trying to do NBA things mm-hmm. with college players, and I, I mean. I feel like that's something. Yeah, I think that's something we see all the time. Like even for us, I mean, not not me. I'm not great at ball, but like if you're playing in the gym and you're playing with guys that are not on your level, you're gonna see and do things that they won't be able to react to. And I and I think that's something that we saw with Kate. And a good point that um that you just brought up. Sorry, I I know we just met, so for me to just call you P feels rude. So call me P. (laughs) No, but P, the point that you made, I thought was spot on about Lamelo. Like this was just a year ago, and I feel like Corey, you and I, even a year ago when we talked about Lamelo, we had some concerns about the turnovers, right? And like how you know some of the stuff in uh where where was he playing Australia, right? Some of that stuff was reckless and kind of crazy. And then we see him play on an NBA court, and it looks and feels different. And I feel Cade is the same way. And um, another point that you made, P, that I really agree with, I think a lot of times when we're talking about prospects and we rate one guy really, really high, people take that and turn it into as if we're trying to hate on the other players, right? So you mentioned that's not us hating on Evan Mobley or um, Jalen Green or any uh, Jalen Suggs. It's just that this is how we rate Cade, and Cade is freaking awesome, but that doesn't mean that we hate Evan Mobley or we're putting him down or saying he's like a lesser prospect. That just speaks to something that, Corey, you and I have been talking about all draft season long. This is a really, really strong draft. Like, it's a ridiculous high, high draft. So, P, P, I wanted to ask you how you felt about the strength of this draft compared to other drafts we've had in recent years. Because Corey and I talk about it all the time. The depth and the talent and, and like, you know, we're talking about blue chips and whatever. It's a ridiculously, ridiculously strong draft. Yeah, uh, this is... I'm a Nick fan, obviously, number one Nick fan in the world. Um, for us to have 19 and 21, it gets me excited because as a Nick fan, 
we don't really do good at the beginning. We get the Frank Nielakinas, the Kevin Knoxes, but at the back half, we get Emmanuel Quickly's, Mitchell Robinsons. We even got Alonzo Trier. No, I think we signed Trier. I think he went undrafted. But we do good in the back half of the draft. So when I see 19 and 21 and I look at a draft like this, um, and I know we'll get the sleepers or whatever, but I'm seeing like I, I listened to um, a mock draft with Kevin O'Connor. I like Kevin O'Connor stuff. Shout out to, yep. to KOC. Um and I, I trust his insight, you know. So he was doing a mock with his guys, and this was like a couple of days ago. And they had Trey Murphy going to the Nets. So it's like if Ooh. a guy like Trey Murphy, which I don't think he'll go, go to the Nets, but if a guy like Trey Murphy is going that low in some people's mocks um, of, of a caliber like Kevin O'Connor, that means that this draft, this draft class is crazy. Trey Mann. Trey Mann is bouncing everywhere throughout this draft class because it's just so deep and it's so strong. And I'm a believer that majority of the NBA is role players. I think it's a very tiny uh, amount of guys that you are building around legitimately. And then the rest are like a number two, number three, but majority is role players. And I think this class has a lot of guys that will be role players. And when I look at certain teams like the Hawks and how they built around Trey and what the Mavericks want to do around Luka, um, and the Pelicans around Zion, I think this is the type of class that once we get past the, the blue chips that we're talking about, you can get a lot of guys that you can put around. Like the Kings, I'm excited for the Kings. I cannot wait to see what the Kings do at nine because after last year's draft to put a talent like Halliburton around Fox, I would love to see them continue to, to add, and I think this class will give them some options. So, yeah, I, I think this class is ex- extremely deep. Um and I think this is going to be one of the low-key best class. I know we say that kind of every year when we get excited, but I, I really have faith in this class, man. It's going to be good. It's, it's loaded. It's loaded. And let's talk about another guy who is uh, adding to that top-level uh, talent. I want to ask you, is where is Mobley on your board, P? Mobley would be number two. He would be number All two. All right. All right. I like it. Um, I think we did a mock draft uh, that uh, came out on Wednesday and we had, I actually had him going to Houston at two because I felt like there was a little bit of smoke coming out from all the Jalen green stuff. And it feels like it's a little too obvious that they're, they're going to take him. I know Houston fans are like, no, 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 we didn't even, he refused to work out. But when the talent is this, high you like if just because he didn't work out like you saw the tape they'll take him if if they really believe in his talent right is evan mobley an actual unicorn level prospect it depends on what yeah but he he would be a new newer unicorn okay because unicorn for so long has been like um like prazingis it started prazingis so they shoot the three crazy and they block shots um Mm -hmm. evan mobley as of right now, probably won't come in out the out of the gate just lighting you up from three, but he can shoot the three. That's all. Like all I want for for guys is to be uh, respectable. Um, but the passing, the defense, and when I say defense, I'm not even talking about rim protection because rim protection is. I don't. I don't want to sound foolish, but it's getting a little overrated. Mm-hmm. But. For me, it's the rim protection and the ability to slide your feet and switch on a pick and roll, which is what Evan Mobley can do. Um, and I just like I like his attitude. Like for a guy to be who Evan Mobley was at USC, he kind of just fit in. 
He was he never tried to really do too much, uh, which some people call it a knock. They would like to see him insert himself more and be aggressive. But I think there is a, I think there's value in 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 you know um, you know self reflection and self identity, and he can just go in and do what he does now. Yeah, if you are the Rockets, do you want to take a guy who may not understand that he is the face of the franchise and is going to be a bit of block? Yeah, that could be an argument. But for me, I would take him. I don't think he's going to go to Houston, though. I don't think they will take him. I think wow. they will get green. I would take him. Mm-hmm. Something is – and it's not even a smokescreen or him not working out. It just never felt like they wanted to go that route. I think, you know, Houston strikes me as a place that wants to, you know – try to liven it back up and get Jalen Green. He's going to be the guy that could potentially be a rookie that could get 30 and ignite the fan bases. If we hey, yeah. we got this scoring guy, he'll be easier to sell than a Mobley. Big men are hard to sell when you're starting off. And, you know, Anthony right. Davis didn't look like Anthony Davis from day one. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's a long run. You know, it's like an investment in stocks. You don't see the return right away. But um, I, I like Evan Mobley. He is a unicorn. A guy that that's that tall, can move the way that he moves. Um, and he's a kid. I think people forget that. Like he's a kid. We haven't seen anything from him yet, in my opinion. So I'm gonna say he's a unicorn, man. Yeah, he's got all of the capabilities to do it because he can do a little bit of everything. And uh, you know what? I actually don't want him shooting a ton of threes because mm. I I think like offensively when he's in the little mid post area, 15 feet. Yeah. He could. That's where I think like he's really comfortable shooting that jumper. Mm-hmm. And if you got to guard him out there, that's where I think the Chris Bosh comps come come in because he gives you one pump fake and he's got one two steps with those long strides and he's at the rim. Yeah, and that's where I think he's really tough because when he's especially the NBA, the, the line's a little bit further out. Like I I think his ball handling is excellent for a big man, but he doesn't have that like crazy handle where he's going to break you down with combo moves. Yeah, his thing is like he's got the athletic abilities to just go around you in two steps and get to the rim. And the further he comes out, I feel like it makes him less dangerous off the bounce. Whereas I think he's real tough to stop the closer he gets to the hoop. Cause he's got such good touch. Um, but that passing is something right. you don't really see. And he right. can, he could hit every spot in the floor and he reads, he knows where his guys are going to be. He's uh, I, I've, I, I, the, the gap with two and three, I think even if you have green above him, it's not it's not a crazy gap. It's those guys are, are right there. And he is a little boring, I guess, if you're trying to reignite the fan base, right? He's not like uh like even like Scotty Barnes, like he's screaming after he dunks. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, you know, like Evan Mobley doesn't really have any like crazy swag to him. He just goes about his business. And there is there's something that like if you're if you're a coach, you're probably like good, like dunk the ball, get back on D. Mm-hmm. Um and then the defensive versatility. I mean, you could put him in any coverage. Like, if you're in a drop coverage and he's at the free throw line, he could probably still contest you at the three-point line with that crazy wingspan, right? right. That's, that's, what what I like. that's what yeah. I like that type right. of stuff more than just, like, he can block shots. It's the mm-hmm. nuance. It's yeah. the nuance of, of hoops and um, and the IQ. How do you uh, how do you think he fits in the front court with Jared Allen if he goes three to Cleveland? Oh. I, I, I'm different. Like, I, I think it's worth a try because I don't think the Cavs will be shit anyway. So yeah. it's worth a try. Um, I think it could work because like you said, it's that mint post. Um, and again, if it, uh, if it doesn't work, what did he do? It isn't like they, uh, missed out on anything or like they had some type of, uh, playoff run in them, but I think it's worth exploring. And I think 
that's where the NBA is kind of going with like the versatility of having, you know, the the looks to play two bigs, uh, depending on who you match up with. Jared Allen, go sit down. Evan Mobley is mm-hmm. number five throughout the mm-hmm. stretches of the game. Right. I like it. And, you know, from day one, I don't know how I feel about putting that pressure on Evan Mobley of being my center. Um, that's mm-hmm. my that's my you know, I have like worries and concerns with every type of mode. The unicorn mode is that is where you draft these guys in the future down the line. They're supposed to play the five, mm-hmm. but they never, ever become the five. Like Jaron Jackson, will he ever be a five? Marvin Bagley, will he ever be a five? Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson can get away with it because he stretches the floor. But like a, yeah. a Marvin Bagley, if he can play the five, I think a lot unlocks. But it's like it doesn't look like he can play the five. He doesn't shoot it as good as you would want for a four. And now he becomes a tweener, which yeah. is right. scary. So I think I think uh, the bigger question with Marvin Bagley is not will he be a five, but will he be in the league um, pretty soon? Right. I think that seems to be the bigger question. But really quickly, P, I did want to say um, I like your point on Mobley. I think the fit with Jared, Jared Allen, Allen can work. work. And the truth of the matter is, even if, as you mentioned, even if the fit doesn't work, Jared Allen is such an asset that you could flip that into something else later on if it really does fail. Another interesting thing with that, and you know, as a fellow Nick fan, I did want to ask your thoughts on this because there have been a lot of rumors, right? There's been some rumblings about the Knicks being interested in um in the young bull, you know, in Colin Sexton. So wanted to get some of your thoughts on that because I think it'll be interesting to see what that market looks like, to see how much Cleveland is actually uh, looking for in terms of what they want from the Knicks. But also, straight up for you, like, would you even be interested in that? Um, I'll be interested in whatever the front office does because they've earned that respect from me. That's such a good answer. But I will not lie to you. I am not a big Colin Sexton guy. I think he could add some value to the Knicks. We're, we are one of the one teams that could use his services. But um, I'm, I'm not I'm not big on the miniature shooting guard who doesn't play make at all. Um, I'm just not a fan of that mode at all. I, I have worries with Jalen Green. Like, I think Jalen Green is, is a nice prospect. Wow. And he obviously has potential. But, man, I cannot get – he has so many similarities to, like, Malik Monk that it scares the shit out of me to, to take him at two or three or whatever. Um, but Colin Sexton – it, like you said, it would be just what they want. Um, it also is 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 terrifying that you you have to pay him soon, and I don't know what that looks like. But I mean, if they wanted twenty one knocks and a second round, sure, let's take it. Jesus. But if they wanted to really try to get, ni- I saw uh, mock trades where they get nineteen and twenty one, and, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'd rather take Chris Darte than give up both oh. both picks. You know, I just, yeah. But yeah, Kyle Sexton is good. I just I don't know how good he is, and I, and I try to take away the fact that I'm just not a fan of that mold. I don't want to, you know, let my um, what I like get in the way, of, you know, uh, what he really is. But yeah, I mean, in certain ways it could work. But like you said, I think it just comes down to what exactly they would want from the Knicks. I'm not against it. Right. Um, but I'm also, I'm curious to see what else we could do. We have so many different options and that's what I love. Um, just as a basketball fan is I love to see franchises have options and mm-hmm. a lot of different doors because, um, the Lonzo is things is out there. I'm a big Lonzo guy. I like Lonzo. We do have 19 and 21 in this loaded draft that we were talking about. Um, 
you know, I just saw that we have interest in DeMar DeRozan. Will Bradley Beal request a trade? The Damian Dinwiddie. You know, Dinwiddie. It's so many options that Nick Knicks could go for. I would just want them to take their time. And I guess if last resort, last option is Colin Sexton, then sure. Because he can have some 40-point games in the Garden, and it would be exciting for sure. I won't deny that. Garden be rocking with uh, Sexton. Yeah, He's got, got the New York, York. He, he got, got the New York mentality. Let's go back to Jalen Green because you, you mentioned that you might even be afraid to take him at three. Yeah, um, like I watch I, I watch this, this tape and there's exciting things to see. Um, and then I also watch and I'm like, damn, that reminds me so much of a Malik Monk or you know he comes from that mold and that that cloth of like. It it, it 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 works super great where it's like James Harden, Bradley Beal, or you get like Malik Monk, Deion Waiters. And then I don't want to be too hard on him. He could be in the middle of that and be an all-star right. level. But like I see like Zach Levine comparisons, and I, I see why people say that. But as a guy who's loved Zach Levine and has watched Zach Levine since UCLA, Zach Levine may be getting a little discredited with Jalen Green comps. Exactly. I know a lot of people aren't watching Bull games and didn't watch a lot of Wolf games. Um, and Zach Levine hasn't played playoff basketball ever in his career for people to really see him on that stage. But Zach Levine has some shit to his game. He has some shit to his game. He has an incredible mm-hmm. first step. Um, his separation moves don't really bother the shot. He always can is on balance for a shot. Um, now I think he, he, he looks bigger. I'm not going to lie. Jalen green, six, 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 five. He looks a little smaller to me when I see him against yeah. other, uh, taller players on the floor, but I'll sure. let them say he's six, six. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Like the guy has game for sure. The kid has game. I'm no denying that, but there are concerns and worries for me because I've seen this type of player not work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's either extremely hit or extremely missed. When's the last time a player in his mold was like a middle tier? Like you either get James Harden, Bradley Beal, or Malik Monk, Deion Waiters, Austin Rivers, um, you know, Zach Levine is an all. It's, I don't remember like a tier. Maybe OJ Mayo. Maybe OJ Mayo. Yeah. And you know what? Like he does. He looks like he's like 6'3, six, 6'4 six, mm-hmm. more than he looks yeah. like he's 6'5, six, 6'6. Six, six, but. Um... You know, we didn't do the uh, through the wire combine measurements on, on Jalen <laughs> Green, so I, I, you know, like we said, we'll trust it. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing about Zach Levine, and this is the thing that you like about Jalen Green too, is Zach Levine has a legendary work ethic. Like he has that Mamba mentality. He's gotten better every single year. And yeah, it hasn't led to winning yet, but it's not on him as to why it hasn't led to winning. It's because he's been in bad situation is hard to win when you're not in good situations without talent around you and when he actually had some talent around him in like minnesota he was young Mm -hmm. and young players don't win um but you see he's helping like you know i know the usa team is is not been the best but but yet you know he's he's played well with usa so he fits Mm -hmm. in with those guys um and we saw with devin booker who everybody said career loser career loser and then goes to the playoffs for the first time and it started in the bubble when he went eight and no goes to the playoffs makes the finals uh his first playoff run showed his ass like you uh like you like to refer to right yes so um (laughs) but i i do think yeah jalen i I, malik monk's interesting because malik monk's got athleticism that is pretty underrated that dude Mm -hmm. got bounced yeah i thought he was i thought he was as good of a lock to be a good nba player and he's turned this year he was a good nba player but i thought he was going to be 
really good. He, he, he looked good at Kentucky. Jalen Green, though, he says that if he went to college, like if he went to Duke or whatnot, that he thinks he'd have been the number one pick. Is he a guy that – I feel like his game is much more suited for the NBA than college basketball. I agree. Like that's – yeah, we just talked about like, you know, college and everything. First and foremost, I love the confidence. Uh, Brian Shaw is, you know, what you were referring yep. to. Like he did say he had the, the work ethic, the Kobe thing. I'll take Brian Shaw's word. He had no reason right. to lie about that. Um, but Kay Cunningham was going to be the number one pick, Jalen Green. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that, uh, that the G League hurt him. A lot of people have been asking this question. Um, I think the G League is a little overrated, but I do think that it, it may have been better for his game to show versus college. But I, I think that that stage that college presents um, mm. is, is much better. And me, I think G League is overrated because people are like, man, they're playing against NBA players and grown men and blah, blah, blah. Bro, Amir Johnson is in a G League for a reason. Seeing... Kuminga and Jalen Green on a court with uh, Jerry Jack and Amir Johnson and these level players, it isn't right. the same as if they were playing against Zach Levine and Patrick Williams. So if that's the case, I would much rather see him play against his peers that are about to go to the NBA with them, which is what K did. K got to play against a Davion Mitchell, a Jared Butler. You know what I mean? Like these are other NBA players that you're going against. They're just not there yet. But these guys are all going to the same um, draft class. You yeah. know, so. I think the G League is a little overrated in that aspect, but I do agree with you that his game may have been better suited for the G League versus college. And where was he going to go? Memphis? I don't. I, I don't yeah, there was there was the Memphis uh, buzz, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't really even know if like yeah, I, good good decision to go to G League, get you some money, yeah. uh, get coached by Brian Shaw. But I do think the G League is overrated as far as <laughs> against grown men. I don't think I've actually heard that argument yet. Like, because most of the people you hear and or talk about the G League, they say the, exactly what you just said, right? Oh, you're playing against older guys, higher competition. It's good for you to play against a higher level of competition. But I think the point that you made is actually really important. I think the NCAA tournament is a platform and a stage unlike anything other. Like, mm-hmm. the, when, when we say March Madness, we know what that means. And that means something, right? So I think that's a really, really good point. I actually never thought of it in that way. And I did want to say really quickly, the Zach Levine comp that you made, I think, or that you talked about it, I think is interesting because the one thing that I was thinking about was Zach Levine, when he came into the league, was so thin. Like, he was real thin. And that was, like, one of his big... You know, like people were like, oh, we don't know if he's ever going to develop. But then you watch Zach Levine and he did develop his body. I think he bulked, bulked up a good amount. Not not to say he looks like what, what's that dude from Tennessee Eve's ponds or whatever. He doesn't yeah. look like him. Right. But Zach Levine has put on mass. He's put on muscle and he's you know, it's helped his game. And that's kind of how I feel about Jalen Green. I know right now, Jalen Green, you look at him and like he's got some like fit, like really small shoulders right he's got a slight frame but i feel like like a zach levine he can put off enough put on enough mass where he's definitely going to be able to adapt to the game and so that's why like i feel like i hear you and the fact that you feel like we're underrating zach levine but maybe it's we're rating zach levine really high and we believe that jalen green can get to that level you know what i mean like i think that's more where that where that's coming from and um yeah man jalen green 
I, I know Corey and I, we have him too on our board, and it's because like the shot making stuff is serious. It is like he yeah. he's a true bucket, and even the defensive like Corey, I think your video on Jalen Green was one of the best videos you made because not a lot of dude not and it's weird to like plug my partner's work but i'm gonna do it because that's what we do here you know and like honestly not a lot of people talk about jalen green's defense like yeah he he's what 18 19 years old he's gonna have his lapses but when he was engaged and he was able to show like his defensive chops that stuff was really really good so did want to throw that in there and i think you know actually p i wanted to ask you we talked about this yesterday with tyler with backcourt violation and it feels like Jalen Suggs has had a weird pre-draft process, right? Uh, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. And, like, it, it feels like he's clearly a tier below Mobley, Green, and Cade Cunningham. But I wanted to get your thoughts on that because, you know, Suggs, unlike a Jalen Green, played in the NCAA tournament. He had a great run. He had a game-winning shot in the Final Four. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that because he's exactly the opposite of what you just talked about with Jalen Green, where he had the platform. He's on the back pages of the Daily News and the New York Post with that shot that he hit, and That's people crazy. were talking about that. And then yet now we're getting closer to the draft and all the hype is going back to the other guys. So just wanted to get your thoughts on Suggs and you know how he's handle that pre-draft pre-draft process and your thoughts on him as just a, as a prospect overall. If I was Suggs older brother, his dad and uncle, if I represented him for management, I would be so happy that they're getting attention because wow. All of the teams that are in that echelon, I don't want him to go to. The big thing about success <laughs> in the NBA is like I've I've watched the draft my entire life since I was like six, like this is just, it's my thing. I, my dad has always been like that. And I would, before the internet, I'm going to make us sound old. Um, there wasn't like a Twitter where Wold just or Shams is tweeting out every pick, or you could just pull it out on your phone. I had to write down every pick for me to remember because it was going to take a day or two for it to come out in the newspaper. So I look one thing, but since I've gotten this platform with through the wire, I try to make sure I'm doing all of my homework because there's going to be people that listen to me and rely on my opinion. But what I've known is that like diving in almost all of these guys in the, in these draft classes can hoop, but a lot of the shit is about where you go. You know what I mean? That it's kind of out of your hands. If you go to the wrong spot, you know, it doesn't mean you can't hoop. That's why a lot of guys change the scenery. It's like, oh, I'll trade for Jared Culver. He's, uh, Jared Culver, he's not succeeding. Let's, let's change the scenery and see how yeah. he can do. Maybe it won't yeah. work. But, you know, just it's always that type of thing. Where, But Jalen Suggs is a guy we saw from Gonzaga, and I think it could translate to the NBA. He can be as good as the people around him. I don't want to say that he is only as good as the people around him. But, yeah, I don't want him to go to the Pistons, the Rockets, or the Cavs. I want him to go to the Raptors. Like, I want him to play with Pascal, Fred Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent from day one um, versus going to the Cavs. And it's him, Garland, and Sexton. And, you know, it's a mess. So I I think Jalen Green – I mean, Jalen Suggs versus Jalen Green is is a thing of, like, what we talked about with Cade of going to Oklahoma State. The Jalen Suggs thing is like now when you're on this platform and you get all of this hype, it's just it's just more that they can pick apart from you. And that's one of the things is he played for a team that was kind of stacked. So 
you know, even in his success, it's kind of like, oh, but he played with Corey Kispert. Oh, but Drew Timmy is, you know, going to be a legendary college player. You know, oh, it was one of the greatest teams we ever seen. I don't know if Drew Timmy is going to be a legendary NBA player, but it seems like he'll be known and and, yeah. and loved uh, yeah. in college basketball. Um, so I, it, it was a gift and a curse for him. You know, he did like right. he, did, uh, he was that shot, man. You know, people talking about he's the number one pick after that shot, <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, so he benefited from it, but again, he went to like, you know, the, the stack team and I, but I think that's self, you know, um, self identity of knowing, Hey, you know, I, he's a quarterback, perfect example. He's a quarterback literally. So quarterbacks are always going to want weapons. You know what I mean? Like Tom Brady didn't go to the bucks without getting Gronk first. He knew that they had Mike Evans already. Mm-hmm. He brought Antonio Brown, you know, I need my So. Yeah. Um, I think Jalen Suggs is, is, is that way. Um, green is also an upside guy. Like, I don't think, um, I don't think Jalen Suggs is too much of an upside. Obviously he's young, so there's potential, but I think like you said, you can add muscle and frame to Jalen green. The shot making is already there as a 19 year old. I I, I can only guess that it'll expand. Um, so it's, it's when I see Jalen green, it's the skill that he shows now, but it's also extreme upside. Suggs obviously has potential and upside, but like, I think we've kind of seen what we're always going to get from him. I don't think he's going to be like, somebody asked me, um, on my uh, YouTube channel, did I think Jalen Suggs would be a superstar? I don't think he'll be a superstar. When I think of superstar point guards, I'm thinking Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, um, Kyrie Irving. I don't think he'll be there, but I think he could be right below like Kimball mm-hmm. Walker level, not same type of play style, but as far as recognition and success, like he'll make some all-star teams and he'll have mm-hmm. success. And if he's around the right talent, right. he'll win. Um, yeah. But or, yeah, or, or like the guy he's going to replace in Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, no. exactly. Yeah, that level. I think he could right. be, have a better career than Kyle Lowry. Okay. Right. And the one thing about Jalen Green with the Zach Levine thing that I will say is Jalen Green will come in as a shooting guard. Zach mm-hmm. Levine, they had this idea if he was going to be yeah. like the Westbrook 2.0 out of UCLA and the Timberwolves tried him at point guard for some right. years. And he really didn't pop until they said, okay, this guy is a scoring shooting guard. Jalen Green coming in. I hope nobody experiments with him at the one. Let him <laughs> be a two and, and get his shit off. And I think he'll he'll have success early. Yeah. I Suggs is he's been underrated because he's been out of the picture. And now I think where was it? Maybe Wasserman's latest uh, mock draft. He has Suggs going five to Orlando now. And I, I don't know if that's Intel and because there's been, and we'll talk, let's, let's switch it over to this guy. The Scotty Barnes train has been chugging at full speed in this draft process. It has not slowed down one bit. You know, Scotty Barnes went from a guy who was like outside looking in maybe six, seven, even eight. And now there's a lot of hype going that Toronto might take him at four um, or that somebody's going to trade up so they can get him at four. And uh, he's been at, at four on a lot of the, the big uh, networks and, and their personal boards and whatnot. Give me your, uh, your feelings on Scotty Barnes. I like Scotty Barnes. I can see the hype train going up. Cause uh, a guy that I do some stuff with on Friday, we do like lives or uh, the spaces on Twitter he, he is obsessed with Scotty Barnes. He loves him. He was telling me he would take him at two if he was drafting. Um, yeah, he loves him like that. Yeah. I like Scotty Barnes, too. Um, I, You know, when I hoop, not that I'm an NBA prospect, 
but I'm six four. So when I walk into a gym, I'm usually bigger than a lot of people, but I handle the ball. I play make. Um, my jump shot isn't as effed up as his, <laughs> but um, you know, so I like big play. Like my favorite player of all time is Penny Hardaway. I, I love uh, big playmakers and big point guards. So I love that about him. I like the defensive tenacity. I like the energy, the screaming that you mentioned earlier. Um, and I wonder if if his hype is in correlation with the success of Giannis Antetokounmpo, because mm-hmm. Giannis and him. Now I don't want to compare him to Giannis, but they have some similarities. He moves a lot around the court like Giannis when he has the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a better feel for the game, I would say, than Giannis because Giannis is obviously a guy who picked up basketball later in his life. You can tell Scotty Barnes has played probably yeah. all of his life. Um, at four is interesting, man. At four is interesting. Um, Dan, I, my favorite fit for Scotty Barnes is the Cavaliers. I wanted mm-hmm. the Cavs to trade three to the Magic for five and eight and hope and pray that Scotty Barnes would be there at five. Um but what do y'all think? If y'all are the Raptors <laughs> and Cade, uh, Mobley, uh, Green are all off in any order that you want, right. and you here you are at four, and you have Suggs, Scotty Barnes, and Kaminga. I had a Raptor fan DM me yesterday and say, hey, Pete, why would we take Suggs when we have Fred Van Vliet? We could get this, <laughs> we could get Kuminga and he could be like, you know, Kawhi. You see, the offense catches up, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, who would y'all take? Well, you know, it's funny that you brought up the Giannis stuff because that, I that's been something that I've heard a little bit too. And I think it's a big reason that he's been moving up boards because Giannis just won the chip. But my thing is the big difference like Giannis is maybe one of the all-time great athletes the sport of basketball has ever seen and he's also seven feet tall doing this yeah you know Scotty's six eight um he's got great measurements and everything but Scotty Barnes is not like this elite athlete right he moves he's a smooth operator like he 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 moves really well at his size offensively and defensively he moves really well but he doesn't have like pop you know, he doesn't have that next level burst. He doesn't have that that vertical pop. Like he kind of needs he needs That's, a head of steam. Yeah. Not to cut you off, but the person yeah. who told me this a very long time ago was my dad. My dad is an old school guy. He he he's funny because I have a little brother who's um who's like who does basketball and yeah. he's uh, one of the top players in, in the city or whatever. So my dad tries to encourage players because I have a little brother or whatever, and he doesn't, you know. But my dad is such an old-school guy that every time I talk to him about guys and prospects, he just sounds like he doesn't like anybody. Oh, y'all love this kid Cunningham guy. Like, he he isn't like that. I, you know, back in my day, Jordan, you you could come out, like, just crazy. But um, yeah. he was like, you know, Scotty Barnes. Everybody likes Scotty Barnes. The guy's not that good of an athlete. Like, I don't see the – everybody talks about <laughs> athleticism. He's not he, – he's he dunks because he's big, but he's not jumping out of the gym. So it's funny to hear you say that now. But, yeah, I, I mean, um, for sure, Scotty Barnes, th- that is a big thing is that he's not seven foot like Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis is the Greek freak of nature. But – um, I, I, I guess I do see some similarities on how, just how they move and operate with the ball. Um, I don't, I don't know, man, it's the, the, the not having jump shot type thing, you know, it always scares us. Yep. 
um, you know, the Ben Simmons type type thing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, mm-hmm. even with similarities to Giannis, he could be ideal to Giannis. That doesn't mean he's going to come in and be as dominant as Giannis. Um, so that that that's interesting. But I agree. I agree. He's he's definitely not Giannis. But are you taking him at four? Or are you taking Suggs? No, I would take Suggs. Because let me tell you about some of the other concerns I have with Scotty. And I like Scotty a lot. I think Scotty's going to be one of the elite role players in the mm-hmm. league. And you mentioned, like, most of the NBA is role players. And I think Scotty knows that he is going to be an elite role player. I think he knows he's going to be you know, uh, a Draymond Green on a winning team. He's he's not unaware of that fact. And I forgot who, I don't even know who said it, and I'm not going to, you know, blast him for saying it, but somebody said Scotty Barnes is definitely going to be better than Draymond Green. And I was like, whoa, oh, whoa, no. wait, can we slow down? And it was somebody, I remember who said it now, it was a big-time hoops guy that, mm. like, you would expect a little bit more nuance. I was like, Definitely? I'm like, Draymond is one of the best defenders of all time. He was a part of multiple championship teams. He's a play- right. So I was like, all right, let's slow down. But let me tell you some other concerns because I'm not even all that concerned about his jumper because unlike Ben Simmons, he's willing to take it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it looks good. And I'm, I'm a big eye test guy. So like with his work ethic, I think eventually he'll be able to knock it down enough that he's a threat. But some of the other concerns I have for him that I think I haven't really heard people mention my guy Scotty Barnes doesn't block shots and he doesn't rebound. Right. And to me, like when you're talking five position defender, I want a guy who's going to be able to at least protect the rim a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's not that because sometimes he'll wall up, but a lot of times he just doesn't go and contest the shots around him that other guys would. Um, and then the rebounding, sometimes he boxes out and, and, and that's like, you know, incredibly important, but, he doesn't go after it after the box out either. So, and he's never really been a good rebounder at any of the level. Now, maybe you could say at Montverde, how many rebounds was he going to be able to get when he's got Dayron Sharp in his front court right. and you got yeah, Kane. Right, so, right. I, you know, I don't want to say like, um, but he's never had like crazy rebound numbers. I've heard like, like if you were going to play devil's advocate to what I just said, you might be like, well, he was guarding point guards and, and switching. But then I would say, well, Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams were doing the same kind of stuff, and and they were able to get over one block each, too, in limited minutes. So it's not a deal-breaker for me. I think Scotty's a great prospect. But I look at Jalen Suggs, and I'm like, I could see him doing the Tony Parker, the Chauncey Billups, and winning a finals MVP. Yeah, yeah. He has that ability to him he's not going to have gaudy counting stats he's not going to be a guy who throws up 25 points per game but I know that my guy is not going to get scared in in the NBA finals if he plays there and I just like you say he's got that quarterback mentality where like he's not going to be concerned like oh I need to go out and throw seven touchdowns today like if he Mm. needs to if he needs to hand the ball off at the one yard line and not get credited for for the touch like touchdown he's not going to care he's just going to want to do things that lead to winning so I think that like I love Scotty. I love his size. His measurements are insane. Seven three wingspan. Mm-hmm. I you know, I think that the hype train, especially because of the Giannis comps, Giannis is just a whole nother level of athlete. And sometimes right. you can't teach that. And like Scotty Barnes, he's not making that play and drop coverage where he comes out at the free throw line and then goes over and blocks you at the rim. Like he is not right. that level of athlete. And there's a difference, and it's not a small difference, it's a, a monumental difference. So that, that that's my concerns with him because mm-hmm. because I think that 
I haven't heard one person say a bad thing about him or like right. anything outside of the jumper. And I think there's, he has more weaknesses than we'd like to talk about because mm-hmm. he is this infectious personality. But I do I I have him up in that in that tier. I just think he's a little bit below some of these other guys. No, no, but Corey, something that you, number one, when we did our Scotty Bar- Barnes uh, episode a couple of months back, that that was one of your big points, right? That he yeah. doesn't rebound. That's something that that you brought up, and also the Giannis comps, whoever. Whoever's saying that they that's blasphemous blasphemous. They need to be scolded for that. Like that's that's crazy to me that you're comparing him to Giannis. Like I, I don't see that at all. Like for me, my thing is look, Corey, you know, I'm not big on hot takes, but this is something that I really believe in. Like yesterday we did our mock draft and I took Isaiah Todd in the back in the first round, right? I look at a guy like Scott like like Isaiah Todd and P, you mentioned the athleticism of the Scotty Barnes and Corey, you went back and said, you know, like he he's a fluid athlete. He's not an explosive athlete by, you know, at, at all. And that's exactly how I see Isaiah Todd, which is why I'm so high on Isaiah Todd. And I wonder, like, so maybe you guys need to talk me into this and maybe kind of bring me back to planet Earth, because I'm looking at those two prospects and I understand why people love Scotty Barnes. OK, I, I get it. I'm not some irrational idiot. Right. I, I, I totally understand. We watch the tape. Corey and I, we like Scotty Barnes. But for me, the more I watch Isaiah Todd and you consider the context and the situation that he was in. Right. If he had gone to Michigan like he was supposed to playing under Juwan Howard, who knows what that would have turned into, right? Like imagine him and Franz Wagner, what they could have done. I don't know, right? That could have been interesting. Um, but my thing is Isaiah Todd with his shooting and like that stroke is freaking pure. Like it's an absolutely beautiful jump shot. And and the willingness and the aggressiveness that he had to put up shots in the limited minutes that he had in the G League. My thing is, like, I, I don't get why there's, like, a universe's gap between the two prospects. Like, I don't see that at all because I really think Isaiah Todd is a very similar athlete to Scotty Barnes. I understand Scotty Barnes is a much, much better defender at this point. He is. Like, I, I have to give that to him. He's a really good playmaker. We talked ad nauseum about his playmaking. But for me, Isaiah Todd on the other end of the spectrum is, I think, is going to walk in and be he could be a really, really good scorer. So I, I need you guys to talk to me about this because I feel like that gap is not as large as people are talking about. And and Pete, to go back to your question, at four, I'm taking Suggs because we saw Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry in the 2019 NBA Finals. He made big play after big play in those series-clinching games, and that's exactly how I see Jalen Suggs. And I think it's almost like the universe is like laughing at us and smiling at us right now and just saying, all right, Kyle Lowry's going to leave and go for another contender. We're just going to slip in Jalen Suggs here and we're going to develop another Kyle Lowry to do the same shit. So it's unbelievable. But anyway, guys, talk to me about Todd and Barnes because maybe maybe I'm the crazy one here. Well, I think that that's a, a good segue into our sleepers because Isaiah Todd is certainly Albert's uh, sleeper. This is our sleeper, our, our penny stocks, the guys who – are a little bit cheaper than uh, a guy like Scotty Barnes. You might be able to get Isaiah Todd at the back end of the first round, maybe even the second round. Um, so, so let's transition there. I think that with Scotty Barnes, what you get, we talk about outliers on on this show a lot. Right. Um, I see Scotty Barnes' talents as outlier talent in that there's not a lot of guys his size that bring some of the skills that he brings. You know, in our episode, I talked about Scotty, you know, I just mentioned his weaknesses, but I also think when he's getting downhill to his right side, he's one of the best passers in the class. And right. I think I even said that he might be the best passer in the class when he's gotten to his right uh, right hand. Now, 
you know, there's two sides uh, that you could dribble the ball to. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to call him the best passer, uh, but he sees things. He operates it in a special way, and at his size, his defensive versatility, even though he doesn't block shots at the rate you might want him to, he's still going to be at minimum a guy who's able to guard one through five in spurts and and probably one through four handling that those kind of guys all of the time at, at any spot you could put him on. Um, Isaiah Todd, less less of an outlier. Definitely a role. Definitely think he's been slept on. I just watched Bobby Portis play a big role in winning a championship with the yes. Bucks, and I think that Isaiah Todd brings a lot of the same things. So uh, I think that you're right to be high on Isaiah Todd, but I think when you're just looking at baseline floor, sure, outlier talents, can I go get this guy for cheap and free agency? It's much yeah, harder to get somebody with Scotty Barnes' talents than Isaiah Todd. Got it. Okay. I can't say it any better. And I and I wish Isaiah Todd went to Michigan. I thought he was going to go to Michigan. Um, one of my my little bros that I grew up with, uh, it was the point guard for Michigan, Mike Smith. So mm. when I found out he was transferring to Michigan, Isaiah Todd was committed there, and I was like, "Wow, this is going to be a, a good team." They still were a good team, obviously, but yeah, I really wish he would have went to Michigan. Um, I like his game for uh, the back end of the the draft type pick. Um, he's going to be a steal for sure. He, he's definitely going to be a steal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Scotty Barnes just has the, <laughs> the, the, uh, what the popularity from the uh, platform and then the upside, I think, I just think that his upside is way crazier than Isaiah Todd, but yeah. for what the NBA is looking for and how the game is played, Isaiah Todd will have a role on an NBA team for sure. Yeah. It was smart of him. I mean, well, I don't know if it was smart of him cause I think his, I think he would have been, you know, a guy that you're talking about as a potential lotto pick if he went to Michigan I with the recognition so. and whatnot. But I think as far uh, as far as showing what he could be in the NBA, I I actually like his decision to go to the Ignite because he was able to, to step in, show a little bit of what he could do when he does have the ball in different areas of the court. But you were able to get like a baseline of like, all right, this guy's going to be able to knock down three point shots um, and he's going to be able to at least, you know, guard defensively and in, in, in an NBA scheme. So I think like you could see what his floor is going to be. You could, it's easy to envision. Um, but yeah, I, like Scotty's upside, I think it's just way higher and that's why he's a, a blue chip and, and uh, Todd's a, a penny stock. Uh, I, got a I got a question before we yeah. dive into yeah. more uh, sleepers and whatnot. A guy that I want to ask you guys about, because I just don't, I don't have any recollect on him. Like I do with, almost every other prospect Deshaun Nix. I don't really, I don't know what to think of Deshaun Nix. Um, can y'all tell me anything about Deshaun <laughs> Nix or. Uh, wait, let me go first. Let me go, go ahead. First, go ahead Albert. Cause um, my thing is I, I'll be really quick and I'll let Corey take over. Uh, my thing with Deshaun Nix and Corey and I, we talked about this a lot with Deshaun Nix. Like the passing is there. Like no one is going to take that away from him. No one's going to deny that he's clearly a very talented, gifted passer. Uh, the question with him is really the Raymond Felton syndrome. Like, is he going to be able to ever keep the weight off? Like, that's the problem. Like we look at Raymond Felton and he is perpetually chubby. 
Like no matter what he did in his career, he, I mean, as a former Nick fan, uh, sorry, as a former Nick and me being a Nick fan, we went through it with Raymond Felton yeah. twice, yes. you know, and we would hear about different diets he was trying. And then we would see him one off season and you just gave up on the diet and just, you know, I don't know where he was at, but you know, he, his weight fluctuation was a real problem with his. And so right now in the pre-draft process, we're seeing pictures of Dacia Nix and he looks good. Right. He looks like he's fit. Looks like he's lost 15, 20 pounds. But then, Corey, this is something that Corey talks about all the time. How many times do we see a prospect get fit before the draft and then he shows up for training camp and he looks different again? You know, and so my fear with Dacia Nix is number one. And also, I didn't even mention the shooting. I'll let Corey go into that because the shooting was a real question mark. Sorry, not even a question mark. It's like if you're doubting Scotty Barnes as a shooter, wait till you watch Dacia Nix and we'll have another conversation. But with Dacia Nix, my biggest thing is the Raymond Felton syndrome. Like, I just don't know if he'll ever be able to keep the weight off. And if you're worried about that from your point guard and a guy that you want to invest in as like your future, like 1A point guard, that's a huge problem for me. Yeah, obviously, anytime weight comes up as a concern for a prospect, it's not like a great thing, especially from a couple of different positions. Like, you don't want your center to be overweight because then they can't move and and recover, recover, right? And you probably don't want your point guard... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Both of them. They got, they got they got good food in the Carolinas, <laughs> uh, but then you don't want your point guard to probably have those weight issues either because how are they going to cover the point of attack defensively? Um, but but he obviously has some of the best vision in the class. He's able to make those passes that like from both sides that we've said like Scotty's an amazing passer going right. He's still a good passer going to his left, but he doesn't have necessarily all those live dribble, you know, just whip passes mm-hmm. that Dacian actually has. So for me, like he's a good guy to, to, you know, invest in as a penny stock in the second round. I've seen him in a lot of mocks, not even get drafted in the top 60. I think maybe that's going overboard. I would take a shot on him somewhere in the second. Um, I think the jumper looks okay. It's definitely a work in progress. He didn't hit it in the games all that often or consistently. But, you know, he was a guy that, like, physically held up. And I think if you are going to take stuff from the G League, one of the things you look at, like, you are playing guys who are more physically developed. So for a guy like him, I do think that's important just to see, like, you know, you're probably going to be playing some guys who are a little bit quicker, a little bit stronger. So for him at at the point guard spot, I think it was important. Um, But he was up and down, I think, it's all going to come down to can he stay in shape? Can he be a passable shooter? But he's probably not going to be much more than a bench point guard. So, but if you can get that in the second round, that's not bad. It's not bad. You know, that's not terrible. You know, that's, there's value in that, especially if, if, you know, he can just come in and run your offense and, and not kill you on the other end. Um, P give me, give me two of your favorite sleepers. Two, um, JT Thor. Mm-hmm. Okay, we talked about a uh, unicorn. Has all the DNA of a unicorn, depending on how where he goes and how he's developed. Six um, ten shooter, pick and pop. Um, but what I also like is that it's not just a. I mean, he yeah, he shoots it a lot, but it's the uh, the ability to to attack a closeout finish. Um, defensively he's there obviously he's young so you want him to bulk up he's a little thin frame but i think where he's going to be taken in a draft um you make it like he may be 
what Thon Maker was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But you're also getting him way back later. So like Thon Maker was a lottery pick, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right? He was like 10th or 11th or yeah. something like that. So yeah, something. Yep. that makes it, you know, it puts a little bit more pressure on it. Or, you know, if it doesn't succeed fast enough, um, you know, uh, people talk about it. But for, if you're going to get JT Thor, who has a little Thon Maker makeup, and you're getting him in the back end of the draft, uh, where there won't be expectation from day one and he can develop uh, low-key, I think you can get something real good there. And then another guy that I just love, this, this, Josh Primo is mm. the real deal to me. Josh Primo is, man, I, I'm a big fan of Nate Oates and how they run their their thing at Alabama, but Josh Primo has legitimate game to me. I love Josh Primo and his game. So can't wait to see where he goes, but those are those are definitely two of my favorite guys mm. that are still I like those choices. Um, PD Webb refers to guys like like those two as pre-draft guys who you draft a year early. Like Primo's a guy that he came nice. out and right now, like he's he's got a lot of hype. He's probably gonna be a first rounder. Yeah. Um, you know, but he is it's not like he blew you out of the water. He averaged like eight points, three rebounds, you know, didn't have like a it wasn't a focal point in an offense that had some veteran, you know, college players on the team. Uh, so you're getting him a year before if he would have stayed in college, he's probably a lottery pick next year. So if you can get him at the back end of the first, or if he slips into the second, now you got an extra year to just develop a guy who might've been a lottery pick if he came out. Um, and his size, six, five, six, six, he's got six, 10 wingspan. Like he's already got the body and once, and he's, he's, you saw all the flashes of the skills, the off the bounce stuff, the catch and shoot. The, the ability to penetrate, the ability to guard, and at his size, he's going to be able, especially with his wingspan, he could probably guard one through three in today's NBA. Yeah. You know, a lot of those small forwards who aren't really the natural small forwards, because most small, old school small forwards are now power forwards. Power forward, yeah. Um, and then Thor, yeah, I like the he's supposed to he could be what Don, uh, what Don is supposed to be. That's I like that because I think like upside wise. If he maxes out, and I think most guys don't max out their potential. I think, you know, I like to look at their median outcome. But I could definitely see a scenario where if he went to a good development program where we look back and realize, like, he could turn into kind of a, a Pascal Siakam kind of player. Yeah. And um, so he's another guy that it, you can invest a, a, a second-round pick in, and he could really outperform that. So. Those are and he's he's been a popular guy on draft Twitter mm-hmm. and for good reason, right? I mean, if you watch Auburn, you know when I'm scout, you know when I watch Auburn, I'm scouting Sharif Cooper, right? Exactly, right. But I like to, and when I'm scouting, I focus as much as I can on that singular prospect. I'm watching where they are on the weak side of the court, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I love when I'm watching a particular prospect, and somebody else pops. Yep. And and JT Thor is the only other guy on that Auburn team, which was not a, a fun team to watch, but he was the only other guy that would do stuff that you go, oh, wow, that yeah. was interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I I like JT Thor, and, and I like the upside that, that he brings. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Um, these are two sleepers. Well, n- now they're not really even sleepers. So I've seen Daron Sharp get mocked to – a lot of like late, late first round teams, but I want to ask you guys, can I, can I get some perspective from you guys in terms of 
what really separates so we have some bigs in this draft that are getting mocked all over the place end of the first round early second late second a guy that comes up a lot that i'm i'm really into and he put up some big numbers this year in college is charles bassey and i'm trying to understand if you guys can help me what's the what's the big gap between like a day sharp and a charles bassey because i'm seeing a lot of day sharp end of first round you know and charles bassey end of the second round, mid-second round. But I really like Bassey, so just wanted to get some perspective from you guys on those two. First thing has to be the age, right? Yeah. Um, that, that has to be one of one of them. Um, I think there's also, like, this small little window of Dayron Sharp shooting the ball. Mm. Like, there's just this, I'm not saying he's going to do it. I don't want anybody <laughs> to, 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 you know, miss, misquote me or – um, you know, but like that, there's that little thing. Dayron Sharp, I watched his film and he has parts of it where it's like, I'm like, man, this dude is legit. And then there's other parts where it's like, turn the show off. Like, I can't even finish watching it. It's so <laughs> tiring at times. Um, but I think depending on where you're at, Charles Bassey could come in and, and help you right away with something. Right. So, um, but I mean, yeah, it would just have to be the fact that. Dayron Sharp is a, what he's a teenager, right? And you know you could probably like Corey was just talking about get him a little early and develop him into more of something. But I do like Charles Bassey. I heard the Knicks were linked to him. I think we right. went out or something. So yeah, yeah, I like him. He's another Carolina guy that uh, lost a little bit of pre-draft weight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I. The other thing is too like Dayron Sharp's a really good passer at his size. Yes, yes. Mm. You know, and like if you're going to be one of these kind of more traditional big men, you really got to be able to pass the ball. And, you know, you talked about there might be the flashes of the shooting. Um, so if you could pass and shoot at that size, now you just got to figure out, well, can we keep him on the floor? Are his feet going to be fast enough to be able to to guard in different kind of coverages? Um, but I think that like one of the things with him, like he also has the pedigree. Montverde played with Scotty and Moses Moody and Cade uh, in one of the best high school teams of all time, maybe the best high school team of all time. So it's pedigree, uh, the and and all those flashes, and I think that's why he's he's he also you know he played at Carolina versus uh, what Western Kentucky, right? So it's you know the competition. I think it's all those kind of factors, and and especially the age freshman versus uh, versus, versus junior. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I, I just felt like when I watched Bassey, I was like, man, as you mentioned, P, it feels like a guy who can just walk in and help somebody right away. You know, average three blocks a game in college. That's not like something to just, you know, scoff at. But yeah, no, I, I get it. I feel like the bigs in this draft are going to be really, really interesting. You know, like we talk a lot about Isaiah Jackson and where he, Isaiah Jackson ends up. And then there's that guy from Utah. I'm forgetting his name right now. I think it was like Nemeus, right? Something like that. But yeah, so I think like this draft, once again, speaks to the absolute depth of this draft where some teams are going to end up with some really solid backup centers. And look, you guys were talking about Giannis before and and, and uh, what's it called? What was his name? Um, Giannis and um, we, oh, oh Scotty Barnes, right? Like we look at the last two NBA finals. I think Jonathan Charks from the ringer was talking about this and he was, that's why he was praising Evan Mobley so much. He was like, you look at the last two NBA finals, they're, they're kind of decided by big men, you know, AD the year before this year by Giannis, you know, these guys are really, really important. And so I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the bigs get rated and where they get drafted and all that stuff. So 
Yeah, man, just a strong draft overall, and I think it's interesting. It, it's going to be. I mean, we're when this pod comes out, it's draft day, so yeah. we're right there. We're knocking at the door, and it's a freaking exciting time. Yeah, I love it. I'm also happy that when we talk sleepers on here, everybody mentioned people that were actually sleepers. Like, I'm so tired. Like, don't tell me Trey Murphy is your sleeper when he's certain guys aren't sleepers anymore. If there's if they're everybody's sleeper, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, my sleeper is Bones Highland. Well, he's everybody's sleeper, so he's no longer a sleeper, you know? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I want to talk about, and he's not a sleeper on draft Twitter, but he probably is sleeper in the overall ether. I think he's mocked still in the second round a lot of times, and I actually want to bring him up because I think that he's a guy that I would like to see in New York at pick 32. I'd actually like to see him in Chicago at 38, but let's, you know, I got two Knicks fans on the I'm show. So curious as who this is going to be now. Cause I feel like, I feel like he's a Tibbs guy. It's Deuce. miles McBride. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, everybody on draft, I don't quite like him the way draft Twitter does. Um, but I do like him. He's, He's a guy that, like, I don't know. He's he's got New York written mm-hmm. on him, like feisty small point guard. I mention it a lot when I talk about like Tibbs and the type of guards he likes and has success with. And you could add quickly to that list: it's these small guys who can kind of get their own shot, have length, are quick. You know, I mean, John Lucas the third, DJ Augustine. Nate Robinson, I mean, obviously, you know, Derek Rose, the outlier, but like he just has like uh, this kind of guard that he's able to get the most out of. And I feel like McBride could really fit into that mold. P, if at 32, Miles McBride to the Knicks, you are yeah. you happy or, or what? I'm happy because first and foremost, I got a shout out to D Mills from my podcast, through the wire podcast. He said that yesterday, like, P, you know. Miles McBride, I love him. He seems like a, a Thibs type of guy. Yeah. Um, so shout out to the emails. He literally said that yesterday. Um, secondly, I'm so against the Knicks using 19 or 21 on a guard because there's so many guards that could be available at 32. So this helps that case. Um, third, he's a West Virginia alumni. Um, we're big West Virginia fans here because my cousin Javon Carter went to West Virginia. So he's cut from that cloth. Um, and He's just exactly what you said. He, he fits that mold. He can guard. Uh, I like his jump shot. He has his, his jump shot reminds me of how he gets it off and how it looks a little bit like Oladipo. It's just like real smooth. Mm. Um, oh. And yeah, he, man, we can, I haven't thought about getting him at 32 because I just mm. don't think he would be there, but mm. I like him with the Knicks. I, I like him a lot. He's very simple. He's very simple. It's not much to really, dive into because he's he's going to guard um he can play off the ball on the ball um trying to think of things that i maybe didn't like from him maybe he took he took a lot of settled settled mid-range shots i guess um but i I would expect that if he's playing with the knicks and on the dibs he he won't have those type opportunities and i don't know if he's going to shoot it um as good as like a quickly maybe Mm -hmm. um but yeah he, he he he's he's he has a pedigree to him of um he was actually a better number one option for them than I would ex- would have expected this past year. I won't lie; like I've I've seen Miles, Miles McBride on that team for um, for a while, and um, I always just thought of him as defensive first guard. But he actually, yeah. I, I won't lie, over the years he's 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 brought his offensive side to to the defense a little bit. 
I think the easiest way for us to look at this and understand why Miles McBride would be awesome for the Knicks, he's going to walk in, if we draft him at 32, he's going to walk in and already be better than Alfred Payton was for us last year. I, I really do I really do believe that just because Miles McBride is a terrifying defensive player. Yes. Like, dude, the stuff that he was doing, I think it was Mavs draft posted like a short video clip this morning about Miles McBride just locking up Cade Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, Please don't listen to this and say that we're sliding Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Cade Cunningham is the bona fide number one player in this draft. And that just speaks to the unbelievable defensive ability of a Miles McBride. He was uh, he was a great, great defender. And if anything, yesterday in our mock draft, Corey, I was even thinking about him at 21. I was like, man, like, is he going to be there at 32 for me to get him? And he's that good of a player, I think, on, on both sides of the ball. Now, offensively, obviously, he's not his strength compared to his defense. But as P mentioned, he showed flashes. And so if he's there at 32, now here's the interesting thing, though. Like, if the Knicks end up taking, like, let's say Trey Murphy's there at 19, like he was in our mock draft, and then we end up with, like, I don't know, Isaiah Jackson or Jared Butler at 21, then things get interesting, right? And P, I know you said you're kind of against us taking a guard at, at 19 or 21, but, like, if Jared Butler's there at 21, I think he's hard to pass. Like I just, I'm absolutely in love with Jared Butler, and I would, and he's a guy that another guy that I think Tibbs would be in love with because of the two way potential. You know, like goddamn him as a defender and a shooter and a on the ball guy. I think he can average eight nine assists a game in the league, and I know a lot, a lot of people don't see it that way, but I Jared do. Butler? Yeah, Jared Butler. Mm. Yeah, okay. no, I'm serious. Like, I think he shared that backcourt with Davion and that and the white dude with the mullet. Like, you know, a lot of the playmaking was divvied up amongst the three of them. And I think you put Jared Butler as your lead guard in the NBA. I think he could do a lot more. So I did want to throw that in there as a, as a fellow Nick fan. Like, if Jared Butler's at tw- there at 21 and we take him there, dude, we should be excited. Like, he is so damn good. I'm not mad at that at all if we, if we take him. Um, I just know that when Thibs, and it, you know, it could just be bullshit, smoke screen or whatever. He talked a lot about wings that could shoot when they right. interviewed him. So as a Nick fan, I just didn't want to get my hopes up because I, I like a lot of these guards. I like Trey Mann. I mean, he's defensively, he's not oh, yeah. these guys, but I mean, the shot creation, the range and everything, I, would, I wouldn't I would mind him either at 6'5". Um, Jared Butler, what I like about Jared Butler is I think we kind of, if he did the eight or nine assists, would be a, a surprise to me. Um, but I think I know what I'm getting with him. I think I know what I'm getting with him, and I think I can count on Jared Butler. I, that's the type of player. I, I like skilled players. Uh, I think it's fun with upside. Like, I, I like Greg Browns, too, you know, with some upside and some potential. Oh, wow. um, he popped. He popped on the screen. He had holy shit moments. <laughs> yeah, he did. So I get why people are interested in that. But if I am a GM, I'm always taking skill over upside for the most part unless unless yeah i'm at what's the fourth pick that the knicks have is like 56 58 58 mm-hmm. great i wouldn't be around there but if i had like a you know a 40th pick and um greg brown was still around i have no choice but to take it but for the most part to give me skill 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 when i look at trey trey murphy i need him chris darker yeah. i need him yeah Jared uh, butler i need him Mm-hmm. Who else we talk about? Deuce McBride. I need him. Just give me skill versus like forty inch vertical. And he, if we if we get his offense to catch up to his athleticism yeah. or his defense, he's gonna be scary. No, give me pass, dribble, uh, dribble shoot, and yeah. even if you can't one on one lock a man down, if you know where the hell to be, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I like skill. Don't yeah. give us Tyrus Thomas. 
Yeah. Like, like. <laughs> one of my one of my all time most disappointing basketball moments because that year, Lamarcus Aldridge was my guy. Me too. He was a that was my that was my guy. So I watched him and I was like, this dude. There's no way he isn't a fucking all star. Like lock it in. It's apparent and and then that run that Tyrus Thomas went on and <laughs> and you know what's crazy like advanced uh-huh. stats weren't even that big a deal back in the day but like Tyrus Thomas might go over Aldridge in today's league too because his advanced stats were bonkers true mm-hmm. shooting percentage block percentage steal percentage crazy to go with the athleticism and when I heard LaMarcus Aldridge's name called at two to the Chicago Bulls, I literally was like, I was about to pop a bottle. Mm-hmm. And then 10 seconds later, I don't know who it was at the time. It might've been like Mark Stein or one of those guys that ESPN had. They were like, and the Chicago Bulls will be trading the number two pick for the four pick and Victor Criapa. And I was like, I you know, I was so bummed out. It was one of my most disappointing. disappointing I was bummed out too. Fans. I'm obviously a Nick fan, but you know I live in Chicago, and uh, like you said, Lamarcus Aldridge in college was like he was a, he was a he's a, a damn near a Hall of Fame NBA player as well. Yeah. But in college, oh my gosh, I love Lamarcus Aldridge. That was my guy. I asked my dad for a Lamarcus Aldridge Texas jersey, and my dad was like. Like we don't buy big man jerseys. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, when he got traded, I was like, "What the fuck?" And Tyrus Thomas, he did have that run with LSU, obviously. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was a that was man, that was crazy. I remember that. One. Yeah, that is. <laughs> who went? Who went? Who, who went number one that year? Barnyani. Barnyani. That was a Barnyani year. Barnyani. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it was Barnyani. Everybody <laughs> was looking for the next Dirk. Dirk, yep. Everybody's I remember looking for the school. next Dirk. I was, I was in like third grade, and me and my <laughs> me and my friends was like, "Yeah, he's a Dirk 2.0. Like <laughs> we believed that he was a Dirk two point Shouts to Chad Ford on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to switch up. Where uh, we just had you know an over an hour's worth of draft talk. Before we get you out of here, I wanna I wanna talk to you about your uh, your project with with Gold Haze. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How to tell tell me about it. how'd that come about? Um, because I don't. You can rap, rap. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I outside of the through the wire and the uh, Bleach Report, House of Highlights stuff. Um, I got my own little thing in Chicago where it's like a collective. Uh, it's called Rich Vision, which is what the light represents in the background. Um, and I started it because when I came out of high school. Um, after I realized I wasn't going to the NBA, <laughs> uh, I started doing music with one of my best friends, uh, who, who is now a rapper Flex, and he started to bubble up, um, on his own. And I was like, you know what? I don't take rap that serious. Like, I, it's not that thing for me. So I'm gonna help you. Like, we'll just start this thing up together. And um, I named it Rich Vision. It just came to my mind, and we started operating like that. And then over the years. Gold Hayes is a producer. They linked up and our team started to grow until we had this establishment as Rich Visioners Collective. And I'm a, I'm a, I, like, it's two things that I know in this world. It's sports and it's music. 
Uh, so even Corey, when I saw that you was managing that band those years ago, I was like, oh, me and Corey have, a, yeah. um, you know, similarities there. We both like sports and the music thing. Um, and yeah, I, I'm a I'm an inner city Chicago kid. So, um, you know, I, I came up in in the, in the hood and that was the two ways basketball and music. So I was always attached to those things and I would do it for fun. And because we have this thing, there's resources that when I get the the inspiration or the the mood to rap, I can do it. You know, we have an engineer, we have a studio, we have producers. Um, I have music friends, so if I get in that that zone to do it, and I'll, I'll do it. And Go Hayes did a real good job since he's a producer and a rapper. He kind of laid and structured everything out for me, so all I had to do was come and rap. You know, like to me, rapping is easy. The hard part is to consistently sit there and try to create songs and a hook mm-hmm. and a bridge. And now that part, I don't have time to juggle the through the wire, bleach report, house to highlight stuff, draft stuff where I have to watch and formulate my own comparisons and, and, and weaknesses and stri- I don't have the time to sit up there and construct a song. So I, I never call myself like a musician or rapper. But if I'm bored and I have extra time and somebody like Go Hayes can basically curate the whole thing and I just step in the booth and rap, I'll do it. But that's that's how it came out. Me and uh, Hayes talked about doing some stuff. Um, we did some stuff and um, we kind of left it alone. Then we revisited and we did it in like two days and it just it came out. And, you know, we've been shooting some music videos for it and. You know, the fans from the podcast and everything, they support it. So, um, you know, whenever something can become lucrative, I put my business hat on. And you know, <laughs> now I might drop more shit because it's like, oh, y'all listening like that. When I look at the analytics and people are actually listening and supporting and sharing, and it makes me like, OK, that's how I am. Like, I, I just live my life where if I'm interested in something, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Like I would, I would write a book one day. Like I said yesterday in a space, it's like, I want to write a book called the, uh, the art of shit talking. I'm just, I'm just an unbelievable shit talker. So I, I just want to teach people how to talk shit. So like, <laughs> if I like something I'm going to do. It. I, I would act like I would be in a movie if it presented itself. Um, That's a book idea. That one, that, that sounds good. Yeah. I, you know? So like, yeah, I think if people were in a, a Barnes and Noble, if you were in target and you walk past the books, and you saw the art of shit talking. I yeah. think a lot of people would, would, you know, be intrigued by that. Yeah, so you gotta, you gotta trademark that one quick before one yeah, of gotta, our gotta, grabs yeah, that right. one. You know, right? Put <laughs> the website up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point though about like rapping's easy, but the songwriting, the structure of that, because yeah. how many freestyle rappers that or mixtape rappers, right? That you get them on these tapes and especially like growing up in New York in the early two thousands, like I feel like that's when the mixtape scene was like yep. crazy, like clue envy, mm-hmm. uh, DJ lantern. You had all these, th- these mixtapes coming out every single week. There was yep. a new mixtape with freestyles from all these guys. And you very rarely would see three quarters of those names actually have more than maybe a single yep. come out. Um, because there's a difference in just like getting on a beat and rapping and then writing a hook and writing a song and, and the production element. I mean, even, you know, look at like cannabis, you know, going back to the nineties, like it, this is a guy who cannabis could rap with anybody, yeah. but like 
writing a song. There's an art to it. Yeah. Um, but I think that you guys on on this uh, this album, you guys did a great job of merging the two. And and uh, I encourage anybody listening to this podcast to go to Spotify, Apple Music, and uh, and definitely give the the project uh, a listen because you're gonna enjoy it. Uh, I know that. I know that. He can he can spit, and you even. You got uh the through the wire guys. You guys rap a little bit on yeah, uh, yeah. on the yeah. show. It was like I said, man. It, it, business sense, um, the internet can be very corny, can be very lame, especially around this time. You guys know. Um, like I said, I listened to the draft, the draft. I can't pronounce it. The draft stack, Nasdaq, Nasdaq. Nasdaq. <laughs> um, I listened to it. And you guys, um, definitely put in the work, put in the time. Um, so around this time, what you'll see is you guys, and you know, it's not a big deal, but it can be, it can be aggravating where you have real guys who sit up there and they watch, um, they put in the hours and then all of a sudden draft comes around and out everybody puts in all the time. Everybody's an expert and college season is going on. And I asked people, did they see Baylor versus Kansas? Nobody watched, but the draft comes around and not everybody's an expert. And it's like, Oh, that, so those are parts of the internet where it's just, I can't take it, but you know, you have, you know, um, opportunities to create a platform where you talked about the showing your ass stuff that I say when players are going off, I turned that into selling shirts. We have the Mm -hmm. podcast, the music, why not take the podcast and make a song and make a YouTube video and put the song on Spotify or let's do an EP and it just becomes lucrative. So I, I just think that, you know, if you have supportive people um, that will support you and they like you sell anything to them, that's you, as long as it's authentic to you don't look for trying to make money, but if you can sell yourself or a part of yourself and what you do, and people will buy it, man, turn it into a business. So, yeah. Uh, and that's what I like about this generation as far as music is what you said, like rapping on a beats for six minutes and just being, you know, uh, bar heavy. It doesn't work in this generation. Like this generation wants music. And I think um, a lot of guys from that era, you you mentioned, it's, it's actually cool to see them have growth. Like Lloyd Banks just released a project not too long ago. And he's had song structure on there. And it's like mm-hmm. look at Lloyd Banks, like melodically singing a hook. Like in 2003, he was just going to go on a clue tape and give me 50 bars, you know, fab. That's, all, that's all I wanted from Lloyd Banks in 2003. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he say shit get ugly than a masterpiece sneaker. Like, yeah, Lloyd Banks and <laughs> Will Santana, fab, like those guys. Mm-hmm. That's what got me into rap. So uh, it's good to see them still being here in 2020 plus you know, and it's still making music, but yeah, man, um, I'm just about having fun. If I'm interested in it, I'll try it. If I'm not good at it, then I'll just go back to being a fan, but it, why not try? Like, I'm just one of those people who I'll put myself out there, you know, even here, I don't think that I'm as good as y'all with this draft shit, but I'll come in here and give it a, give it a shot. And, uh, if I say something foolish, which luckily today I didn't, not at all, not at all. I'll wear it because it's all about learning, you know what I mean? And I'm a student, so um, I'm just about learning from people that I respect. And I definitely respect y'all. I appreciate y'all having me. I appreciate the shout out for the music part. I was not expecting that for anybody's watching. I thought we was just doing draft talk. <laughs> um, and yeah, man, another shout out, you know. Yes, Let's sir. go. Legendary. <laughs> Legendary.
So, yeah. That's right. That's the magazine, the Hardwood Magazine. I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing not only P, but the rest of the Through the Wire podcast. And, um, you know, we've touched on a few different things. You touched on it in the music. It's it's about being authentic, you know, and, and you mentioned it even with the draft guys. Everybody's coming out of the woodwork. That's not what they specialize in. You know, you, you it's hard to focus on a bunch of different things and then put the work in that's necessary for the draft. But, um, you know, we don't have people on this show that, that don't know what they're talking about. We're not trying to have people just talk crazy on here. So we only got guys who know what's going on. P, you do. Um, if, if you want to, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about the podcast from, from the guys, we still have copies of the hardwood, uh, magazine, the issue two available. You can find that on, uh, you know, on my Twitter link or, um, so definitely, uh, definitely get that because it's worthwhile. Because if you're trying to be a content creator, the through the wire guys are a great example of you know being authentic and how that can lead to success. Because I don't care if it's you know basketball content or you know uh, cooking, you can find a, a a way to give yourself the opportunity to be creative in a space as long as you're being authentic and following your own path. So uh, definitely, definitely check all of the, the stuff that they do out. Check P stuff out. P, where can they find you on the Internet? P, we the plug on every single thing. P, we the plug. Um, if you just type in those words, it should not be anybody but me popping up on anything. You know? <laughs> so hopefully not. Uh, yeah, P, we the plug. You can catch me on uh, House of Highlights, uh, Bleacher Report, my show with, uh, with Drewski, and then in the mid season we changed it to a uh, famous lows um we're not going on right now because there's no nba season but uh hopefully we get renewed for a season two next season um and then yeah the podcast is tuesday and saturdays but uh, other than that yeah i'm just a dude that's around social media I'm, I'm never too big or too uh out of there to not talk to anybody if you're trying to talk basketball and you know what you're talking about we can definitely dialogue so um yeah like i said i appreciate you guys having me talk about authentic authenticity and originality y'all are um with this that's just draft that like that is so genius i cannot say that enough um i wish i came up with that shit like i love <laughs> things and making into yeah that that is so dope um Appreciate that. and even the presentation you know what i mean like i told you Corey, when we talked like the um the thumbnails the cartoon of the players and the superhero uh, comic book thing like that shit is so dope bro that shit is so dope so i appreciate you guys having me on close to the draft um this is a privilege and um can't wait to see what the knicks get yes sir it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun look you know we're we're good draft evaluators i don't know if if i'm the best but I'm definitely the most fucking creative. Y'all, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm gonna show my ass there. I'm the most yeah, creative motherfucker on the internet. Hey, <laughs> y'all are up there. When people ask me, P, I want more insight. How do you? Y'all are the guys that I name. It's y'all, uh, hoop intellect, uh, draft junkie. Shout out DeAndre. Shout out um, Ralph. Who else would I? And then um, it's a new guy I started watching like this year. Adam Spinelli. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Spinelli. Yep, coach. Yeah, yeah like coach Spin. Yep, Coach Boxing yeah. One. I like yeah. Shout so, out. Yeah, shout out Mavs Draft. There's a lot of good guys out there. Yeah. Awesome. Who, who did y'all say Mavs Draft? Is that somebody? Yeah. Draft? Yep. He's okay. awesome. He's awesome. Uh Tyler Metcalf, uh uh-huh. Backcourt Violation. There's a lot, a lot of really good draft content out there. Draft deeper. Space. 
and draft deeper. Yes. Shout out yep. to Nathan. Um, shout out to the OG. Shout out my guy, Mike Schmitz. I mm-hmm. mean, there's, there's, there's so much good draft content out there and yes, people to watch. It's the, the, the thing is everybody's got a podcast. Everybody's covering something. There's enough yeah. room for everybody to, to come in and, oh, and sure. get their shine. So, yeah. uh, you know, shout out to everybody in the space. Mm-hmm. Corey, Corey's definitely the most creative. Um, if I had to give myself a title, I'm the most Korean. I'm the most Asian <laughs> one out here. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but, hey, I, <laughs> P, I did want to say I appreciate you coming on. This is actually my first time ever speaking to you. So this was an honor for me. Um, I really appreciate it. I did want to say for our listeners, make sure you're on the lookout for the future a number one New York Times bestselling book, The Art of Shit Talk. Make sure you guys get your copy when that drops because it's going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So and, now uh, that you get that, though, Albert, yeah. I have one request from you. Yes, sir. I need a follow back. I've been following you on Twitter. Oh, for follow real? Back. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm one of those guys. Don't do my guy, do my guy like I'm, that. I'm embarrassed do right like now. That. I can't believe that. Albert, you get you get to the following. Um, <laughs> for anybody who's going to the draft, if you see us, we'll be there live in Brooklyn today, um, Thursday, the 29th. So come come say what's up. And uh, I'd love to meet everybody. And it's going to be a fun one. The draft is going to be crazy. It's going to be pure chaos. Thank you for listening to the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. And this will not be the final episode. We will come back and talk about the results of the draft. So tune in because uh, it's going to be fun. Until next, until that time, guys, we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.